Hello from Northern California. We're back to The Lady in Gold. The extraordinary tale of Gustav Klimt's masterpiece, Portrait of Adele Blockbar. Anne-Marie O'Connor is the author. And I think I forgot to say that on my last one. We are at the chapter called Patrimony. The next morning was frigid. Snow was piled in drifts as Randall walked briskly into the Belvedere. Gerbert Frodel seemed preoccupied. Randall listened as Frodel told him it injured his feelings when Maria called him a liar for denying that he had told her Austria might consider giving her the landscapes in exchange for the portraits of Adele. I was a bit hurt that she kept keeps saying I lied, Frodo said. I didn't lie. But he did lie, Randall thought, but Randall remained silent. He was trying not to play the conqueror. Until the paintings were out of Austria, anything could happen. It's not like I waltzed in here like Napoleon, Randall kept reminding himself. Well, a lot of people said a lot of things, Randall demurred. He didn't want to fight anymore. He just wanted the paintings. Randall followed the... Randall followed the administrator through the maze of underground passageways. He lost track of the twists and turns. He would never be able to retrace his steps and find it on his own. As they wound through the labyrinth, Randall's insatiable curiosity got the best of him. Why was this massive bunker built? For art? For arms? There had to be a reason. Even fairy tale palaces had dungeons. Finally, they came to a large room about twice the size of a Vienna cafe. Randall was surrounded by some of the most valuable art in the world. The administrator pointed to a gurney. Randall lifted up the first painting. It wasn't Adele. It was Matilda Zemlinsky, Schoenberg, his grandfather Schoenberg's first wife. She was holding a baby. The painting was by the brilliant early modernist Richard Gerdes. Sorry, I said that wrong because I'm not even looking at this properly with the shadow. My book in a different place here. Okay. Gerstel. An artist who was passionately in love with the married Matilda. Her composer husband ordered Matilda to stop the affair. A few weeks later, Gerstel finished his last portrait of himself. His mouth opened in mirthless laughter. Then Gerstel took off his clothes and hung himself in front of the mirror. Matilda eventually followed Gertzel into the grave. The baby in the painting, Georges, would spend the last days of the war in an apartment lent to him by fleeing Nazi leader Benno Mattel, the son-in-law of Anton Weyburn, a, a former student of Arnold Schoenberg. 
When the bombs fell, Georges, by then an adult, had hid in a cave in the Vienna woods filled with women and children running out to beg Russian soldiers not to throw grenades into the cavern. In this perilous era, even the most personal painting became an accidental document of something much greater. Randall idly wondered if the Belvedere had put Gersel painting of Matilda here on purpose. He pushed it aside. What he saw next amazed him. It was Adele. Randall stared at her face for a long moment. He stared at the room filled with paintings, each with its own stories, many still untold. If anyone didn't know who Adele was before, they did now. Randall's attempt to get Adele out of Austria was the talk of the town as Austrian high society headed to that night's premiere of the raid, sorry, of the Raoul Ruiz film about Gustav Klimt at the corner at the concert house. The American actor Jean Malkovich. No, gosh, sorry keep stuttering around here with my hair coming into my eyes and blah, 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 blah. Yes, I'm not really prepared. Let me get this better. Okay. Raul Ruiz film about Gustav Klimt at the, con- at the concert house. The American actor, Jean Malkovich, who played Klimt, swept in wearing a luminous silk blazer emblazoned with a Klimtesque powder pattern of squares. The concert house built on the site of the concert of the Kunsthaus exhibition grounds where Adele's portrait had first been unveiled in Vienna was a dazzling temple. Gold angels, blue trumpets and gold muses reclined under a golden ceiling patterned in an Italian in in an Italianate floral design whose radiance rivaled that of heaven itself. Andreas Maluth Parkenay, Parkenay, probably. The city councillor for cultural affairs was on stage with the actress playing Serena Lederer. The era had been has been so widely celebrated, he said. Klimt was the pride of Austria, he went on. Friend Freud is not in the film, but his spirit is. It seemed strange to hear him extol these illustrious characters without mentioning why the whole party ended so suddenly. Though why advertise on this happy evening that Freud had barely made it out of Vienna alive, and four of his sisters died in the concentration camps, or that Serena Lederer lost everything and publicly disavowed her own husband to claim Klimt as the Aryan father of her daughter, that her sister died in a death camp, and her cherished Klimt collection was torched by Nazis. When the lights came up, the winter... The writer, sorry, man, I guess it's my eyes are not feeling very well tonight again. 
When the lights came up, the writer and the director of the film, Raul Ruiz, began to explain his cinematic vision of this mythical city and its connection to the real Vienna. We have Fernand to the left and Hitler to the right, Randall whispered mockingly. Will all the illegitimate children of Klimt please stand up? Randall made his way toward a group of Austrian officials who seemed surprised and uncomfortable to see him. I didn't tell anyone you were here tonight, one producer, a young Austrian named Suzanne Vero, told him apologetically. I was afraid to. Austria is split in two, Vero explained. One part is with Maria Altman and is ashamed and happy that it is over. And a lot of people are not so ashamed. To the contrary, they are angry about the return of the paintings. I was ashamed. I think it is sad about the loss, of course, but it should have happened 60 years ago. Andreas Maleth Pocornil, a tall, dark man in a black suit, listened as Randall told an interviewer that... I thought there was no chance of it happening. Art cases always lose. Malith Pocunut turned to the reporter. There was a similar case in the city recently with the estate of Johann Strauss, he began. The family of the Waltz king, Johann Strauss II, was fleeced by the Nazis too. His third wife, Adele, was Jewish, a distant relation of Nellie. His stepdaughter and heir, Alice Meisner Alice Strauss, was forced to hand over the composer's Aryanized papers. The composer's great-grandfather had been born Jewish, but the Gestapo took great pains to destroy records of this inconvenient ethnic stain when Hitler adopted Strauss as a Germanic icon. icon. After the war, Austria fought to hang on to the Strauss legacy, worth millions. In the end, we gave it all back, and then we bought it, Malaith Pocanus was saying. It was very expensive. In the process, you realize you are not the owner. Someone else is the owner. So we gave it back. It is still cultural patrimony. And within Austria, it's not even bad PR. That's the horrible thing. Randall whispered loudly. Malaith Pocanu finally mentioned there was a VIP reception upstairs. The party overlooked Vienna. In its city lights and its wintry cityscape, it was in full swing. Austrian officials swirled away from Randall as if he were contagious. It was John Malkovich who mentioned the taboo. Journalists keep asking me, don't you think it's a shame that the portrait of Adele and the other Klimt paintings were going to leave Vienna, said Malkovich, towering over the party. Bullshit, I think it's great. That's not a celebration of the loss of of Belvedere, Malkovich said. It's a celebration of the owners of the art. The paintings are theirs. They belong to them. They might Put them on the next plane out here, out of here. It is sad for the Belvedere. Yes, that's sad. 
But that's how life is. It's not clean. Martin Luther King said, The arc of life is long, but it tends towards justice. Hopefully, these paintings will be able to be seen by a Catholicity, Catholicity of people. I hope so. Where I don't, where I don't know. The Austrian art world was distraught as the idea that the paintings might be lost. It is something that is very painful, said Alice Sorobel, the Austrian Klimt expert emerita, her eyes bright with tears as she sat under her tall black hussar, ba- hussar hat at the Café Mozart, watching snow flurries fall outside. Strobel, 90, discovered her passion for Klimt during the war when she was ordered to report to a state office of music and culture. The Nazis make, made everyone work, she said, shrugging. I was lucky. I got peaceful work. It was the height of the Nazi obsession with so-called German culture, and it was weird, Strobel said. In 1943, her co-workers suggested she go to the Klimt, Klimt exhibition. Strobel was stunned. Klimt's faculty paintings were like spiritual awakening, a religious calling. After the war, Strobel visited Gustav Uchiki's widow, Ursula, at the propagandist's apartment on Strudelofgas. (laughs) Strobel gazed in awe at the stolen Klimt's, mesmerized by water snakes. Ursula Uchiki was very nervous, Strobel said. She was afraid she would lose the paintings. Now the paintings would be lost by Austria. When the Blockbauers recovered the donated clip drawings from Austria and sold some, it broke my heart, Strobel said. It was, the, was only a matter of money for the family. Austrian state art administrators insisted Adele would not be happy. It was so clear what she wanted. The intense young Stephen Koja, the Austrian gallery Klimt expert, would lament later at the museum cafe. She did not want those paintings to go to her niece. She wanted them. Whoops. She wanted them to go to the Belvedere Museum. But to keep them, Austria would have to pay. When the case began, the paintings had been valued at $150 million. But that was before the panel ruled they did not belong to Austria. Now Wolfgang, Wolfgang Schlesel, Schusel, sorry, <laughs> I'm looking at this wrong. Now Wolfgang Schusel, the Austrian chancellor, was saying the government will not continue to negotiate because we don't think it will be possible to pay $300 million out of the government budget. A well-connected group had taken out a full-page ad in the Dupris that week for a proposal to raise money to acquire the two portraits of Adele. Backers included architect Hans Holein, Christian Mayer, the head of the Schoenberg Center, and the Belvedere's Gerbert Frodel. Basically, the government has been spoiling the whole thing, 
John Saylor, a leader of the movement, would say months later when it was clear the effort would fail. Saylor, the owner of the Ulysses Gallery, loved his country. He lived high above the Ringstrasse in a light-filled atelier where his modern art collection competed with rooftop views of St. Stephen's Cathedral. Sailor had lived his country's bittersweet history. He was four months older, sorry, he was four months old when Hitler marched into Vienna. His Jewish mother and social democratic father were on a train at the time and they fled without him. A woman smuggled him out eight months later by pretending he was her own son. Another mother in their circle stayed behind to pack the apartment, and her family never saw her again. Another large family was led away by the Gestapo, but as they walked down the spiral staircase, a non-Jewish neighbor pulled their littlest boy into the apartment. He was the only one to survive. Sailor's father testified against Nazi war criminals. Sailor was never, sorry, Sailor never tried to recover the, his family's confiscated home. He got on with his life. He was hired to help redesign the Belvedere in the 1960s. There, a guard whispered the way to the mysterious hidden concrete bunker. People told him he had been designed to be the last SS command or it had been designed to be the last SS command station in Vienna. Sailor began, Sailor helped, I don't know why I'm putting in words where they don't belong. Sailor helped transform it into an art storage depot. My gut feeling is that there is some vague sentiment that if the, if the rich Jews want to take away the paintings, let them. We're not going to give them away, give them any money. Sailor would say with the effort when the effort failed it was there are the rich Jews in America taking our over our paintings or Adele was a Jew so why do we want to keep her why don't we send her off yet as long as the Klimps were in Austria there was hope maybe you could change Randall's mind said Elizabeth Sturmbenarchik, oh my gosh, these names, a fashionably thin, well-groomed businesswoman as she sipped pungent black coffee in her, at her art and antique store on the, Dorothea, on the Dorothea Gas. Elizabeth, an old friend of Maria's sister Louise, was the dealer for Fernand's porcelain, and she had formally, informally advised Austria in the nego negotiations. Change his mind? Once Randall made a decision, you couldn't change his mind if you put a gun to his head. He's demanding such a high price that the government felt they were being mocked, she said. Randall said, oh, you have to offer a price? But we can't offer a price, really. <laughs> Oh, 
my goodness. Perhaps you can also help. The situation is horrible, Elizabeth continued. Austria didn't give them back all those years, not for anti-Semitic reasons. The impression that Austria is anti-Semitic is mistaken. It was really a misunderstanding. People say, oh, they were stealing them. Ger Gerbert Frodel, the director of the Belvedere, felt they really belonged to Austria. Frodel is a very good friend of mine of many years. Elizabeth sighed. It is said an Arab wants to buy them. They will not know how they can be preserved. If they don't take care of the paintings, will, if they don't take care, the paintings will be ruined in 30 years' time, she said with a pained expression. Let's see how many more pages. Oh, we only have a page and a half. It's extremely important that the paintings stay in the Belvedere, Elizabeth said. Otherwise, the Blockbauer name will be forgotten in Austria, and all that it meant. It was a time when Vienna had not just cultural influence, but with Freud, the subconscious itself was being analyzed, and the or origin of all of this was Vienna. The gold portrait of Adele, she said, stands here like a symbol of time, painted by the most well-known painter of Austria. Everything becomes one, one in this painting. The time, the social standing of the Blockbauer family, all that was made possible by the Jewish haute bourgeoisie. There was, this was a symbol. Wait. This was a very special time, and Adele played a great role here. If you don't have a symbol to remind you, everyone forgets. Everyone says, what is the most famous work of Klimt? The kiss and the portrait of Adele Blockbar. The portrait is a symbol of the history of the nation. This is the prestige of Vienna. Elizabeth sipped her black, thick black coffee. The family is very divided, and now Maria has the say in everything, she said. I think... Randall put her up to this. The Canadian family n isn't happy about this. They've gotten a lawyer. Nellie wanted these paintings to stay in Austria. There's a very, there is very important family history behind these paintings, Elizabeth continued. As Louise always said, it must be, must have been a big love affair a grand passion, but it was, it was taboo to speak about it. Those were her words. And I'm sure that's why Adele wanted the museum to have it, so they are connected. So what, so what they didn't have in their lifetime was always in the viewers' minds, so they always saw her and Klimt together forever. Hmm. Elizabeth walked me to the front do to the door. He There's still a chance, she said. Perhaps these paintings can still be saved. Elizabeth opened the door. It was bitter cold outside. Where will all 
this restitution end, she said exasperatedly. Are we going to go back to Napoleon? I stepped out of her shop, which was just down the block from the Dorthelium, Dorthelium, whatever it is, the 500-year-old auction house where possessions of Jews had been auctioned off. The Dorothea gas was the market part place of the treasures that made museums of Vienna's apartments, antique guns, jeweled golden swords, portraits of long dead ancestors, and tiny porcelain statues of demure ladies with parasols. It was difficult to imagine how all this bric-a-brac survived World War II, much less Napoleon. I walked across the cobblestones in the Jewish Museum to see an exhibit on Eric Zeisel, Randall's grandfather. Randall was off in a concert hall listening in to a sympathy. Symphony, sorry, a sympathy. Listening to a symphony record Record, I'm sorry, a recital of Zeisel's Requiem Ebratio, the composer's homage to his murdered father and the many who shared his fate. The Klimps did leave Austria. A few days later, they were carefully created. False itineraries were coincidentally by email to throw off would-be thieves. Let's see. Where did I leave off? Doot, 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 doot. I kind of dozed off here. <laughs> Sorry. It is late. Okay. Ibraccio, the composer's homage to his murdered father and the many who shared his fate. The Klimps did leave Austria. A few days later, they were carefully created. False itineraries were circulated by email to throw off would-be thieves. The gold portrait of Adele left the Belvedere on a chilly morning before dawn to avoid protesters. It was loaded on an unmarked truck. Adele would be would fly along the wintry Danube and over the Salzkammergut Salz with its snowy mountain peaks. The painting would climb higher over the Alps to the great Duque, Duche of Luxembourg and finally Los Angeles. Ciao, Adele. I think I'm going to end there for tonight. The next piece that I might end, I don't know if I'll add it to this one or make a new one, is Adele's Final Destiny. Have a good evening. Thanks for listening.